feeling nice and comfortable in our new podcast home, Catfish Lose at 2460 Northwest 24th. They're proud that they won the Muddy Award for Best Venue in 2017 and 18. They should be. I'm Tom D'Antoni, and with me is Kit Taylor, who has had an interesting and diverse career. You should remember him from his previous band, Intervision. They had a nice run a while back, but he had other ideas, a pop career. I know that sounds unusual in DIY Central, Portland, Oregon, but that's what he wants, and he's got an album to prove it. It's called Love and Pain. Let's let him tell his own story. Meet Kit Taylor. Kit, welcome to Catfish Lose. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Nice to see you. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen you for a long time. It's been a long time, yeah. Uh, last time I saw you was, was back in the Intervision days. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Good times. It was. Yeah. I used to play Intervision on the radio. Nice. Nice. I, did. I remember that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, but you don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Um, yeah. Not not as much uh, the performing side. I'm more on the songwriting side. There's yeah. still elements of... There will always be elements of that soul intervision stuff in my yeah, writing because yeah. I learned so much from those guys. But um, yeah, it's a little bit different now. So you're not performing very much? Uh, just I, I play solo piano out at every Wednesday. I'm out at Chinook Winds Casino. Uh-huh. And I play there once a week, yeah. um, and then I do a lot of private events. Um, and then every once in a while, I get a call from a casual band. But generally speaking, though, I'm just doing the writing and teaching thing. Wow. Yeah. Do you miss it? I do. You know, and I think there's a. Um, What's the word? There's a there's a downside to having really high standards. It's like I'm really picky about who I play with, and I, I love that element of growing a band together, like we did with Intervision. But the problem is when you get to be a little older, yeah, no one's playing for free anymore, right? So, so if I want to build a band, I'm paying all the guys, and yeah, trust me, yeah, it's crossed my yeah. mind. But well, it seems like it's interesting because you're doing mostly pop now. Yeah, mostly. And um, I, and, I, and I thought to myself, I looked at, at the people in your band, and I thought, this is what Gino Vanelli does. Yeah, yeah. There's been some character. You know, this the track we're going to play today is the one that um, there was a couple people on when I uh, released it that were like, you know, this sounds like Gino, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Gino cut. Well, you got Damien, Damien Erskine, yeah, yep. right? right? You know, who plays with Gino, yep. and uh, that's it was always, that's always funny because uh, um, for for a long before I really knew what was going on, I was like. Well, these guys are all out of town at the same time. Oh, they're out with Gino Vanelli. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> all like like the, the some of the greatest jazz jazz musicians in town, and they're all out with Gino Vanelli playing pop music. Yeah, I think it's uh, really cool for Portland, man. That like yeah. starting to get recognized as some just incredible musicians coming out here, bands yeah. and song, you know, even now songwriters. So, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. So, so tell us about this band. In the, on the on the record, sure, sure. Um, I mean, it's not a working band. I no, understand. yeah. I was going to say, I, I've actually, it's it's. I need. I want to start thinking of it in terms of that because I've got guys that are my first call. You know, yeah. Damien's not on every track, but he's on almost every track. Uh-huh. Um, what a guy! Yeah, yes. Yeah, what a guy! Ever since I first heard him play, he's been my you know favorite bass player. Yeah. Um, if I ever hear anyone else that's like, oh man, let's try this guy, I'm like, yeah. no. In a town of great bass players. Yeah. No. Absolutely, man. You know, he's just he, he's uh he's cutting edge. Uh. When I write songs that I feel are outside of my vocal abilities, I hire singers. Um, mm-hmm. So you got Paul Creighton on there, of course. Um, you know, a dear friend and lead singer of Intervision. Yeah. Um, and then David Torn. Is is, is 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 Paul still singing with um, uh, with Sabrosa? I don't think so. I don't okay. know his 
full schedule. I know the two groups he does regularly are his own uh, Paul Creighton project, yeah, where he does some original stuff, and then also yeah. covers like Jamiroquai and some of the great Solvax. Yeah, bands. yeah, yeah. Um, I know he was doing some work with with the, the the Ojeda brothers, and he was with Solvax too for a while, right? Uh, and I don't think he sings right. with them anymore. Okay, but he's got a website and everything, and he's in, he's a, I believe he's a nurse during the day and then he, sings at that's night. That's great. Yeah. He's tremendous. Yeah, he's he's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, and and go on. Uh, David Torn, guitar yeah. player. Uh-huh. Um, Jennifer Batten, of course, played guitar for Michael. Jennifer Batten. She's on the two tracks. Human tornado and the hurricane. I yeah. had her. I had her on the podcast. Did you? Yeah. Whoa. Me- meeting her was a thrill. You know, I got to hang out with her. We went to a comedy. We went to Harvey's together, just to yeah. kind of get to know each other. And yeah, um, <laughs> working with her was great because I sent her the track, and she goes. I remember she, her saying, "What do you want?" She goes, "Do you want something different, or do you want beat it?" Meaning like that style. Yeah, yeah. And I go, "Beat it." And she took her like a day. She sent back a track, and she goes, "Let me know if you want any revisions." And it was just, it was perfect first take. <laughs> it's just shredding, <laughs> ridiculous. So, the one we're going to play today, Torn is on, but yeah, but Jennifer's on two of them. Um, and then Bob Stark, of course, he's yeah. a huge part of these albums. You know, yeah. um, electronic drums mm-hmm. uh, and. Mm-hmm. Oh, the synths and the keys. He's been on the podcast too. Has he? Cool. Yes. Nice. Right on, man. Yeah, he's he's been a friend and a mentor to me. I mean, I I owe a huge part of my career to him thus far. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, amazing guy. Yeah, incredible talent. He recorded and engineered this. Yep. Did he produce it? Co-produced with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. but yeah, his, the guy that makes it sound big and pretty. That's Bob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I tell people, you know, I, I bring him my my demos that have you know melodies, lyrics, and maybe some like sound ideas, and then he. Uh-huh. He uh, just does his thing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So who else? Uh, let's see. Um, couple. There's Jimmy Herod, who went to PSU, now sings with Pink Martini. Yeah. He's on one track. Yeah. Um, who else we have on here? Phil Baker's on a couple. Phil Baker. Uh, John Lakey's on one. Phil Baker. Um, Man. Uh, Michael you, Ellison. Wait a minute. Go ahead. Damien Erskine and Phil Baker on, on yeah, this Yeah, and John Lakey are wow. all on this. Yeah. Wow. It's, a, wow, it's, a, wow. it's an all-star cast on it this is. thing, and it's cool. And Bernie yeah. Grunman mastered it. Uh-huh. L.A., Los Angeles. Uh-huh. We went down there to uh-huh. have it mastered. That was a, quite an experience. Drums? Uh, that's all, you know, it's all uh, electronic. Ah. You know, we didn't have, uh-huh. a, we, uh-huh. there's a few tracks we thought about having a real drummer on. And on the next album we might, because I want to get some of that organic mm-hmm. soul feel. Mm-hmm. But we were able to get everything we wanted, you know, with with e-drums, and Bob is just masterful at it. Uh-huh. Um, this one, particularly Half a Man, you know, could have been like Reinhardt or someone playing it. Yeah. Uh, but Bob was able yeah. to, to just do an incredible job. Wow. So That's great. That's great. I don't know if he'll be angry at me for mentioning that. We're supposed to <laughs> pretend it's real. But <laughs> I doubt it. I yeah, know. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so uh, let's let's see. You're originally from Portland, right? Uh, yeah, Colton, Oregon. I grew up in Colton. Where is Colton? Colton is about uh, 15 miles south of Oregon City. Um, wow. Kind of it, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then when I was 12, we moved to Oregon City, and then I moved to Portland. Um, uh-huh. I went to LaSalle for high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, met the guys in the intervision at Clackamas Community College. They're right. Just kind of yeah, I've been around, but I live uh-huh. in Hillsborough now. But it's always been. Portlandish, yeah, 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 yeah. So, did you have a lot of music in, uh, in in your house growing up? Yeah, yeah. You know, we have pictures of me when I was five or six, sitting at a keyboard with Stevie sunglasses on. <laughs> you know, I'd pick songs off the movies or the radio and play them by ear, and uh-huh. they put me in piano lessons and uh, kind of excelled pretty quick. And and I never really thought I would do it for a living, though, until <laughs> college. It's funny how that works. Yeah, you keep on sort of trying to like. I thought, I thought I wanted to be in the NBA for a while. You know? <laughs> it lasted about eight till age twelve, uh, 
And then I think the first time I got paid for a, a job at age 17, I was like, I can get paid for this. <laughs> and then you just start trying to get better and get better. And Did you just start playing because that was a good way to meet girls? Yeah, I think <laughs> probably originally, yes. And it was. It you was. Know, when you're a course, kid, especially, yeah. man, it's like, right. I mean, you don't know, you know, no one, you don't need anything else. You're in a room with a bunch of other guys trying yeah. to meet a, a girl. I just sit down at a piano. So, yeah, Do you remember sure. the name of your first band? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Um, do you know? No. Okay. This was this was a joke that Paul would tell at our shows. <laughs> I started a band in college called Adonis. <laughs> I fancied myself some sort of ladies' man. And, and That's great. We had a show we did live at Kung Fu Bakery. Uh huh. And I still have the recordings where Paul talked about it, and, and the crowd got a kick out of it. And I even <laughs> laughed at myself. I'm like, my gosh, I was 19, and you know, just it, we were not good. It was not good, but. Hey, what are you going to do? What, you know? what did you play? Oh, uh, just my own play? pop compositions. Uh-huh. But, you know, I had no concept at that point of, like, yeah. how to put on a live show. Yeah. I didn't have any concept of my own abilities. You know, like, I'm not a, I'm not a Paul-type vocalist. I can sing. But uh-huh. here I was writing these, you know, Justin Timberlake-type tunes and thinking I could deliver them live. And it did not happen. That was not the case. So Is that how you were patterning yourself after? I would say, uh, yeah. especially at the beginning. I uh-huh. mean, you know, I got really into pop music at a young age, and um, I was fascinated by the art of writing like a hook and something that, you know, sold millions of copies and, and caught the ear. And I uh-huh. was, even though it was made fun of by people in the music scene, I was still convinced that there's an art behind it, and I still am. Well, it was grunge back then. Yeah, wasn't grunge. It? Yeah, but boy bands started around, you know, when I was 12 and 13, mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was the stuff that I enjoyed. And then I got into Stevie, Bob Marley, Jimmy Requie in college. Uh-huh. And then that kind of just melded everything together. And uh, uh-huh. that's sort of what influences my writing now. <laughs> but yeah, Adonis, terrible band. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, yeah, that was the only group I really had before Intervision. Intervision, I would say, was my first real band. Really? So, yeah. How did you guys get, you? you so you guys met up at, 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 at in college? Yeah, we yeah. all uh, were in, I remember, we were in choir together. Paul was a year ahead of me. Uh-huh. And Tony, I believe, a year behind me. But you know how it is in with the choirs. You know, you have multiple grades all together in the choir. Yeah. And um, they started a group. It was called Stoven originally, which was Tony's last name. And they needed a keyboard player. And I was like, you know, I thought it'd be awesome to be a part of a band. So uh-huh. I started going to see their shows down uh-huh. in Salem. That was where they played first. Yeah. And then eventually I sat in on one. And then we just kind of all got along and did our first photo shoot. And then mm-hmm. that's all she wrote. Ten oh. years what kind of keyboards were you playing at the time? Oh, man, I still remember uh, <laughs> my first work, workstation, like my first real keyboard was a Roland XP80. Uh-huh. Uh, and I still I have the Roland Cloud now yeah. on my, you know, with my software uh-huh. so I can access all those old sounds and oh, bring it back wow. memories. Ah. But, man, at the time that was – before that it was, uh, it was Vision. Uh, uh-huh. Is it Opticode? I think it's the, the company that, that did Vision, which is like it was like the Logic Pro or Pro Tools of the day. Uh-huh. Of course, nowhere near as advanced as it is now. Yeah, um, Opticode, I think maybe is the company. But anyway, that and the MIDI keyboard and just general MIDI sounds is what I started with. And then I got the uh-huh. XP80, and then I got a Yamaha Motif after that, um, and then just sort of kept working my way up. Yeah, uh-huh. and then once MIDI became much more prevalent, like it is now, you know, you can get all sorts of the yeah. Rhodes emulators and all that stuff. So yeah, I got all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, the Yamaha motif was what I used with the band. Hmm. Yeah. Did you ever play a real clavinet? I, ha- I, ha- I have. I've never owned one. <laughs> I've played one and I've played a real. What was that like? What's that like to it, play? It's inc- it's incredible. I mean, you feel like you're, 
you feel like you're in the 70s you feel like you're stevie i mean it's super cool I, there's guys in town that are pros at that steve swatkins yes. you know is one of the best yeah, yeah. um jared too mm-hmm. um playing a real roads I, I like better that's like mm-hmm. my that soul kind of sound mm-hmm. i like that even better but both of them are just that vintage feel man you can't beat it yeah 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 well it's interesting um uh, so you, you're in Intervision and you're playing a lot of soulful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the back of your head, you, you 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 wanted to play something else. You know, not necessarily. You know, it's kind of like we were talking about before the show. Soul is like the, it's the crossover music, man, that everyone right. likes. I've never met anyone that says, you know, oh man, I don't like Stevie Wonder. You know, everyone likes Stevie Wonder. It's just, the guy's incredible. So, I mean, even when I listen to. And I'd read articles about these boy bands that I loved. You know, their producers grew up on this yeah. stuff, yeah. the Stevie stuff. So it's like everything Intervision did, I loved. I mean, Paul's an incredible songwriter, and we co-wrote Gravitarium together, on the, which is on our first album. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like half a man that we were going to play today could have been an Intervision tune. It's like uh-huh. Uh-huh. there's pop meets soul. So we were doing what I loved, just leaning more towards the soul side. If I had been the band leader at the time, it probably would have leaned more towards Maroon Five uh-huh. instead of Stevie Wonder. But either way, it's just a it's just a pendulum swinging slightly one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, even the my writing now swings a lot towards the soul side. You know, I've never been able to do like the super simple Justin Bieber kind of stuff. It's like there's always a complexity to it that I think makes music interesting. Huh. Well, who in that realm in the, in the pop realm do you listen to these days? Um, Bruno Mars. Yeah. I think some of these guys, the genuine talent, I mean, Justin Timberlake has proven himself to be an, a genuine musician, like mm-hmm. killer singer, great songwriter, plays keyboards. Um, Br- yeah, Bruno Mars, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith. Um, uh, you know, d- not so much on the, he's not on the uh, current charts but De- d'angelo you know yeah. everyone knows d'angelo right. and he, he'll come out with new stuff and he's got a dedicated <laughs> fan base uh-huh. so i mean that would they're consistently in my playlist uh, other than that it's like i'm really big into the 80s um debarge oh yeah probably like yeah i've got like eight songs that just in rotation <laughs> right now so it's a really uh, eclectic mix of music that uh-huh. i like uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. i'm not listening to justin bieber in my car i appreciate what the producers bring to right. the table there's right. an art to that but uh-huh. um I got to have some some depth to the music that I like. Yeah. Uh-huh. So on this on this album, um, which is called Love and Pain. Yeah. Why is it called Love and Pain? Because uh, it's kind of been the definition of my life thus far. It's oh, like uh, wow. just, you know, right up, as I was recording this album, my dad passed. And this girl that I really cared about and I had known since I was 12 um, just decided that I was uh, nothing to her and disappeared. Wow. Spanish. Haven't heard from her since. It's been three years. Oh. And she was the influence behind several of the songs. Plus, my best friend, Polly, um, who's been by my side through everything, through my dad's death, all that stuff. You know, there's a song on there for her. Yeah. Um, so I think I've always cherished true friends, you know, um, true true family members that you love and care about. Um, I was really, I was in a tough place when I recorded that. So I think that... It was the only title that made sense to me. I remember Bob and I would go back and forth, and he had a couple other ideas, and I'm like, it has to be called this. It just, yeah. it just is. Yeah, yeah. So That's interesting, because when Andrew Paul Woodworth brought his new album out, it was virtually the same thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was in that same, same kind of place. Yeah. And he came in here and talked about yeah. it. Yeah. And sometimes the songs, 
you listen to them just the music and it may not reflect you're thinking like man this this kind of sounds like an uplifting like epic ballad but then you listen to the lyrics and you sort of understand the direction it's going track two is called time to say goodbye well that's like that's like brazilian music yeah because brazilian music is, is is upbeat and you can dance to it meanwhile it's about some tragic thing that's happening in in in, in the writer's yeah in the writer's life but but the, but the music is just the opposite yeah and I, I think there's a beauty to that you know yeah. there's as long as it comes from the heart yeah that's mm-hmm. what's important to me mm-hmm. you know i want it mm-hmm. to come from the heart um when i'm listening to music and just because the music sounds happy doesn't mean it can't move you. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's about something that, that's painful to them. Uh-huh. I was just trying to think of that tune. I can't remember. There's a very famous Brazilian tune that's just wonderful to listen to. And then you realize when you read the lyrics. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty dark. <laughs> it's what it's about. Yeah. Right. Um, we had it. Uh, just brings to mind a funny story. Intervision had a song called Easier to Go. It was mm-hmm. one of our most popular tracks off the first album that Paul wrote. And it doesn't necessarily sound happy, but sort of connected to our conversation. A lot of times, people don't really read the lyrics. Right. We would. I mean, it's a it's a really dark, heartbreak song, and we would have people request that at their weddings for their first <gasps> <Wow>. dance. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't really think anything of it until I really got into songwriting, and I realized, you know, man, this is bizarre. They don't know what this song's about. Right. They wouldn't be dancing to it. <laughs> so we played that as a first dance at many weddings <laughs> and Paul's got to be singing it thinking like man this is weird <laughs> that's so, funny yeah <laughs> well those things are those those functions are, are very strange yeah they can in, be in every way yeah. I used to be a wedding DJ yeah yeah and uh, before I moved here and uh, I do that now I have to make side money so I get it yeah, yeah. you don't have to play the chicken dance do you uh, if they request it, I will. If they don't, it, I never touch it. And they usually don't. They usually put it on the no playlist. It was, so. I this has been twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah. But but uh, I, there was a set I I had to play, which included the twist, the hokey pokey, yeah. the chicken dance, YMCA, oh, man. and the Macarena, which had just come out, and I had to teach it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Was, well, so the ones now there's there's current uh, dances like the Cupid Shuffle yes. is one, the Cha Cha yeah. Slide, yeah. And yeah. most usually I'll have couples. I just had a meeting the other day where they said, no playlist. They don't want me to play any of that. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, no problem. I wasn't anyway. So. <laughs> After I moved here and, and um, uh, got my career back, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I went, to a, uh, went to a wedding reception and they, 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 played, they played all that. And oh. the, the hair stood up on the back of Man. my neck. Yeah. Ah. If you're playing that by choice, I need to reevaluate what you're, what you're doing there. Yeah. But if I didn't do, if I didn't play that set, they wouldn't tip me. No, of course. I mean, it's. It, it, I get it. You know, if they, if they come to me and say, "Play this," I'm yeah. playing it. You yeah, know, you I mean, have it's, to. I'm making a living doing that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That you know, the, these weddings are going to fund my next album. So, well, there you, you go. Do it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And people keep getting married. Yeah, that's true. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> I don't know, oh, man. That's what this I mean, album's about. Really? I mean, I've only done it four times. Yeah. So. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm at zero, so I got a ways to go. <laughs> you do have a long way to go. A long way to go. Um. And you brought and and so you, you put this out in vinyl too. I did. This was this was a really special album to me. You know, I I, I blood, sweat, and tears is the hardest I've ever worked on anything. Um, uh-huh. The most money I've ever spent on anything, and I, I didn't want to skimp. I didn't want to ever look back in twenty years. Whatever happens with my career, I didn't want to ever go. Man, I wish I had done that. Yeah, yeah. So now, yeah. whatever happens, forever, I have this product that I put every ounce of myself into, and. I had vinyl because I've always loved vinyl. And it's like, yes, I told myself I was going to do all those things 
just to say that just to not have any regrets. So that's that's why. That's good. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, good for you. We remains it remains there was <laughs> since spent some money doing it. It remains to be seen if it's good, but well, I think I won't regret it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. 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 That's the most. That's really. If the career, if my career leads where I want it to lead, uh, you know, it'll definitely be the right decision. Yeah. But okay, so when when you in, intentionally write a pop song, what does that mean? It's a good. That's a good question, man. Thank you. I think there's a very good question. I love that I think answer. There's a misconception um, <laughs> when people hear the word pop. I mean, I, I see people all the time just say, "Oh, pop's crap," you know, and I'm like. What do you think people called Stevie Wonder in the 70s? Yeah. That was pop. Right. You know, just the definition has changed. Mm-hmm. But I think pop originally just meant popular. So it's like, pop, you know, pop can be deep. Pop can be simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It can be a right. I mean, Steely Dan could be considered pop or they can be considered classic rock. Um, now they're classic rock. Then, of course, they would have just been rock, maybe jazz rock. Um, so that's a good question. I mean, I. The word pop, I think, to me, I immediately think hook, something catchy. Uh-huh. So it has a chorus that's memorable. Uh-huh. Um, the only thing I wouldn't call pop, you know, is like a jazz tune that maybe it doesn't have any repeating sections. Uh-huh. You know, anything other than that, I mean, even even back in Mozart's time, you know, pop could have been right. his, whatever, his latest concerto that had a right. repeating A section. You know, that was their pop. It would have been number one on their billboard charts if they'd had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because catchy is is a is obviously the the operative thing. Yeah, people remember it. Yeah, but then you can go you can go to a tune like compared to what? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. What's catchier than got to make it real compared to what? I mean, you know? Yeah. Or, or, I think uh, that that's where you get into like the elements of something can be pop and yeah something. Yeah. I mean, soul yeah. has like def- definitive elements to it. Right. Um, the, the groove and the instruments used. Yeah. Um, and funk, same thing. Right. But it can still be pop, soul, pop, funk. We, uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. Intervision, we debated for a year on what we should classify ourselves as. I'll bet. And we eventually went with soul pop. Yeah. That's what we had yeah. them yeah. list us under. Yeah. Still on iTunes, I think that's what it's on, soul right? pop. Um, huh. Because it was catchy, repeating choruses, mm-hmm. but still complex chord progressions yeah. uh, along the Stevie lines. <laughs> so... It's a very good question, man. I don't think there's a one answer to that. Right. Right. No, I, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there isn't. I um, mean, the, I would, if this album was going to be classified, it would probably be adult contemporary overall. Yeah. Just because yeah. there's a bunch of ballads and uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's also pop and there's also jazz and there's gospel and there, there's yeah. soul. I mean, this you're going to hear this song today and be like, that's not pop. Right. You know, it's like jazz fusion meets rock. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, and and when when you if if you go back in increments of even five years, you know, yep. you yep. can hear vast differences, absolutely, and things that are the same. It's interesting, yeah, how how things change and and don't change. I mean, look at Prince. You know, we are right. Prince is an incredible artist and and revered now. Yeah, but at the time, you know, when he was having top ten hits and stuff, was he were people saying like, oh man, that's cheesy crap. I know. I don't know. No. I don't know. I, I wasn't. Know. I know. Neither was I. I've yeah. never done that about any any yeah. music, really. I try to always respect the artistry, but it it does change as the time goes by. You know, will we look back today and be like, man, Bruno Mars, God, that was a, he was a legit artist. You know, uh-huh. he gets a bad rap sometimes now, uh-huh. but I think he's a tr- 
true talent. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, huh. a, it's, it's an interesting point. Interesting. Huh. So wh- where do you see your music going? What, what, where, what, what direction are you going in? Um, I mean, I know this is a statement. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of a resume. Uh, yeah. Re- yeah, yeah, exactly. And so is, is it a, like a jumping off point for you? Essentially, that's what I've used it as. Um, yeah. I, like I've mentioned, I've won a bunch of songwriting awards from this. And mm-hmm. every... Thing that I do, including this interview here, will will you know? It just sort of goes on the resume, and that yeah. becomes eventually. I, I hope to be noticed by a publisher, uh-huh. record label, whatever it may be. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Starting as a staff, staff songwriter somewhere would be great. Uh-huh. Writing for Disney is like an ultimate goal of mine. I love, I've always huh. loved the music of Disney. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Actually, my former publicist had a meeting with a really high level executive at Disney, and was, was able to pitch him my stuff. I haven't heard anything from them, but at least to know that it's out there in the ether is, you know, someday they may stumble across it and be like, what, how do we miss this? You know, that's the hope. Yeah. And then you get a phone call. Yeah. It only takes one. It only takes one. And, you know, but yeah. in the meantime, I'll just keep writing and, and write from the heart and eventually, mm-hmm. you know, hope something clicks. And the joke is you finally break through, you know, what's the story I heard the other day? This is, this is, I don't remember the name of the artist, but a few years ago, there was someone that won best new artist at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. And she got up there and goes, well, thanks. This is my 15th album. <laughs> <laughs> and she was best new artist because she had just now been noticed. And so then suddenly everyone went back and was like, oh, yeah. these are great albums. Yeah. And she's like, thanks. 20 years worth of right. work. You know, right, right. You know who's going to end up like that? Liv Warfield. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One of these days, she will actually, I mean, she's broken through many times. Yeah. But not to the to the degree. Right. That she deserves in mainstream, yeah, you know? and it'll be the same thing. Yeah, yeah. she'll say, yeah. "This is my sixth album. Thanks right. for the best new artist award." Yeah, <laughs> so that's the hope is that a song gets discovered, and then they look back at your whole catalog, and you've got all this stuff to fall back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to be what they don't want to see that I've heard from publishers is that you can just write one. Well, out you can write one song, you know. Well, yeah, but can you write fifty songs? Uh-huh. You know, so uh-huh. Uh-huh. being a songwriter is the, is the hope. Yeah. So how do you write? Uh, What's the process? Very sp- sporadically and spontaneously. It's uh-huh. like I have no. You, you, I'm sure you do this for your, you know, ideas for your show too. I mean, it's like on my phone. I've got notes. The notes app always ready to go. Um, ideas just will pop into my head. It might be in the middle of the night, uh-huh. but I make sure that I write it down uh-huh. because you never know which one will be the one that clicks. So, do you do? You, is it, are they musical ideas or lyrics? Either, either way, both. It could be yeah. a lyric idea. I'll be watching a show and someone will say a line that'll trigger like, "Oh man, that would be a good song." Yeah. Write it down. Uh-huh. But one of the tracks on there, I actually dreamed the really? song track ten, the one for my dad. Wow! In my dream, I was singing it to my dad. True story. Yeah, and. Wow. Uh, it had a different title in the dream, one that didn't quite work. Once I woke up, I was like, yeah, that title doesn't work. I had to change it a little uh-huh. bit, but the melody uh-huh. stayed the same. <laughs> so really random ways. You know, if f- the one way that doesn't work, and, and I think that for all of eternity there will be songwriters trying to do it this way, and yeah. it will never work, is when you sit down and go, I'm going to write a hit song today. <laughs> it never works. <laughs> it has to come from some kind of imp- inspiration or emotion. Huh. And then you can sit down and do it. Or, or if somebody says, "I'll give you this X amount of money," would, would you will you write this song? You know, funny enough, it, it's true. I mean, when yes. I've, the few times that I've had the pleasure of working with some pretty major artists, as a singer named Whitney McLean. You know Marlon McLean? Sure. So Whitney is Marlon's Marlon's niece. A, Marlon's I think. a yeah. legend. Incredible. Yeah, we. Yeah. He and I got a chance to chat, and he set me up with his niece Whitney, who's got a couple videos on YouTube, but a couple million views. She came to my home studio, and we mm-hmm. co-wrote together. And it's just incredible when you're in a position of pressure. 
the ideas just flow. So yeah, I mean, there's there's well, a, yeah. there's a truth to that. I was right. worried. I was right. like, what if she shows up and right. I've got nothing? That's why I love to be on deadline. Yeah, I just love being yeah. on. I've always loved being on deadline. Totally, thing has to happen. It just happens. Or yeah. I mean, I and I, I or, or or doing you know live broadcasting. Oh, you got, it has to you got to have to make it happen. Yeah, got to make got to make it happen it's right am, then and it's there. It's amazing how it works. And yeah. so yeah. Well, you know that from performing. That too. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just comes together. Yeah. 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 And uh, there's always the there's always that worry. I mean, I just did a pretty big songwriting retreat in Nashville, and uh-huh. where they where they team you up. And every day I'm thinking, man, crap, what if I don't have it today? And it, oh, right. And of I course. Did, and every time I did. Yeah. So, yeah. well, it funny, it's funny how that works. Yeah. You got, who, who, doesn't, who doesn't think that? No, we all you do. Know, yeah. I mean, everybody does that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's why I procrastinated in high yeah. school. Unless you get old like me and don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, <you know. laughs> I'm starting to give less and less of a fuck. Well, older, that's so probably that healthy. Yeah. Very healthy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, um, uh, uh, was, was Josh Mon there? Oh, no, but we talked though. He did the one, he did the California retreat ah, and I did okay. the Nashville one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah did you have yeah. him on? Yeah, I've had him on a couple of times. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Josh, great, great guy. Josh is a great guy. He's kind of, he's my blazer connection. I want to play piano. Oh, this, this, the national anthem. It's, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Those guys are tougher to get a hold of than the president. So wow. Josh has been kind of like, uh, lobbying on my behalf to get me in there. Uh-huh. I think doing it on the baby grand would be really cool. Uh-huh. But yeah, he told me he went to the California retreat. Um, same one I did, the Judy Stakey yeah. songwriting retreat. Yeah. yeah. What happens at something like that? Um, essentially, I, I went because of her, of her form. She was a VP of Warner Music at Warner Chapel. So mm-hmm. she's got a lot of connections, knows a lot of people. And just just adding that to the resume kind of like I was talking about you know suddenly it's that six degrees thing you know so and so who knows so and so you meet people there that know her and it, it just can't hurt yeah um, and also it works you know your songwriting chops three what do you do there just that well we did so we did yoga in the morning we would all eat together we had conversations where we shared uh-huh. you share your weaknesses you share your fears your, wow. you know stories about yourselves and then every day there's co-writing sessions where you paired with different people uh-huh. and you have three hours to come out with a song that you performed that night wow. and it's like if you can't come up with something you better or you're going to be embarrassed yourself yeah. <laughs> so there's a it, it she attempts she attempts to emulate like what it would be like in a real you know songwriter she's managed that have publishing deals yeah they call you up and they say you know we need five tracks for ed sheeran in a week and one of them needs to be a hit and go right <laughs> you know and it's like if you don't deliver you don't get another contract right so right, right. That's what they're trying to emulate there, I think. And and then we also, th- she has a special guest. The last time it was Chris Lacey, who's the VP of Warner Music Nashville. Uh-huh. And she was really candid. She talked about how she wanted to make it as a songwriter at first before she got into the executive side. Uh-huh. And she just didn't have the drive or sh- or she didn't think she did. Uh-huh. Um, and so she went into the business side and found that that was her gift uh-huh. um, and learned a lot from her. And again, it's that six degrees thing. Now, you know, Judy, right. you know, right. Chris, yeah. who knows, so-and-so. And it's like, right. you know, you get enough of those connections and you hope one of them clicks. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was very outside of my comfort zone because I'm a homebody. So even though it was a comfortable retreat space, being in Nashville for a week was, it was not the easiest thing for me, but I'm glad I did it. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. So tell us about the song we're going to hear. Sure. Um Funny enough, I wrote the demo for this in 2005, I think. I still have the original one. Wow. This has been, and we've gone through three renditions. Bob and I recorded this in 2010. It never made an album. 
um, I recorded it with a different band in 2012 called Sapphire. And then find and it's Bob has always loved it. It's always been his favorite song of mine that I've written. Hmm. And so finally for this album, we're like we're gonna we're gonna do a final version that's gonna be the one. And we got a you know killer lineup: Damien, David Torn, Paul Creighton. Um, it's like R and B soul fusion, uh-huh. and it's a, it's like a fairy tale about a king and a queen who are uh, this is f- kind of relative to what we're seeing now. They're kind of corrupt, <laughs> 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 and uh, and they they get taken down. Uh-huh. And the or the princess in in this story is dying, and it's the king, you know, who's you sort of get this sense of like justice because mm-hmm. he's lived such a corrupt life, but you yeah. also feel his heartbreak. Yeah, uh, that's that's the story, and wow. it comes from my own experiences too, the loss. Yeah, so and it's called Half a Man. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, man, thank you so much. All right. <laughs> Time will crumble and comets barely 